Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. Given the perils of visiting brick-and-mortar grocery stores amid the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, many shoppers have turned to online shopping en masse, revealing gaping holes in many retailers' approach to e-commerce that threaten profitability and consumer loyalty. According to Peter Van Stolk, who's the CEO of the e-grocery startup FoodX Technologies, most grocery retailers were underprepared for online sales and fulfillment before the pandemic started, and many of their struggles are exponentially exacerbated now that so many consumers are sheltering in place or fearful of potential exposure to COVID-19 if they venture to their local supermarket. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, Van Stolk breaks down the three most common problems grocery retailers face with e-commerce and explains how FoodX Technologies, which manages the process for Walmart in Canada, has developed meaningful improvements around profitability, efficiency, and sustainability. FoodX Technologies offers an award-winning scalable end-to-end e-grocery software platform that promises everything you need to be the leading online grocer in your market deployed in nine months or less. This ambitious claim is backed by more than 20 years of experience in online grocery. FoodX Technologies grew out of the Sustainable Produce Urban Delivery Incorporated, or SPUD, which started as an online community-supported agriculture system that has since evolved to be one of the largest online grocery companies in Canada. And now it wants to help other retailers navigate the complicated and quickly evolving world of e-commerce. While Van Stolk recognizes that creating an e-commerce platform for grocery is uniquely challenging compared to other industries, he says it's the way of the future, or thanks to COVID-19, the present, and as such, grocers need to address it sooner rather than later. What we have is we have sort of grocery is, if you think about it, the last frontier for e-commerce. It's a really simple way of saying it. You know, uh, other categories of retail and apparel have had e-commerce for probably 10 years. And e-commerce really sort of transitioned in 2007. And it's important to know that date because that's the date that the iPhone was launched and that's the date that Amazon first acquired its first apparel company. So if you really think back to and we start thinking about apparel just for two seconds, saying there was a lot of challenges where people were afraid to buy uh, clothes online because they couldn't try them on and couldn't return them and so forth. Fast forward to 2020, and it's a different space time. And in 13 years, apparel has gone from 3% to I think it's close to 30%. And, but you've seen a massive shift from adoption rate. And now you, you've also seen trends that we've never seen before, which are created by Uber Eats, Skip, Skip the Dishes, DoorDash, Fedora, where we've actually created this model of convenience that is super important to consumers. So I think it would be, um, based on the trends, I think it would be any retailer that said it's just going to go stay at 3% is, in my opinion, um, living in what they want to see happen but it's the same thing that happened to some of the grocery or some of the 
apparel retailers back in 2007. And, you know, I think there's a great story that um, Blockbuster had the opportunity to buy um, Netflix. And I think the CEO's quote at the time, they're not even on our radar. And um, unfortunately, we're in this disruptive period in grocery and retail. And the mindset that thinks that it's that technology isn't going to change. You know, you have the founder of Uber creating ghost kitchens to, to, to sell food online. It is food online is coming in a, in a proportionate rate. I, I have a daughter who's 26 years old, and I'm sure I'm aging myself now. <laughs> that girl can order anything and gets it delivered in like milliseconds. I'm not milliseconds, of course, I'm exaggerating that, but gets it delivered. And I think that's uh, the, the conversation. And so then I'm going to say, okay, you're right, it may be 3% in 2020. What will be in 2025? And if you're trying to figure it out in 225, you're done. And so what you're seeing happening in, in grocery is you're seeing sort of this legacy business now trying to fast forward and figure out what to do with e-commerce. And you have some very challenging aspects of the business. Of all the challenges facing grocery retailers as they build online businesses, Van Stolk said three stand out as the most prominent. The first is how to build an online fulfillment center profitably. The second is how to address sustainability concerns around emissions and packaging associated with delivery. And the third is how to develop a system that is transparent and engaging at the local as well as national and even international supply level. To help grocers develop a profitable fulfillment strategy, FoodX technology first helps retailers recognize the tensions between their e-commerce and brick-and-mortar businesses. It then works with them to create software and hardware solutions that seamlessly build upon existing processes to bridge both on- and offline businesses. What we've done is we've created software that connects with the existing legacy assets of the retailer, so meaning that if a retailer has an ERP system or a WMS system that works for them and their DCs, they're not really excited about changing that because that's a very significant investment. And it also has a chance of hurting their core business, which is their true grocery stores, the, the, leg, the bricks and mortars. So we know that 20% at the high end is going to go on, online, even if it's 10%. You still don't want to break the 90 or 80% of their core business, which is the, the brick and mortar. So how do you create a system that works for both the brick and mortar and the e-commerce? And it starts with inventory. So we've created a system where we adapt and we plug and play in their existing set, um, system. So that's the first thing. So we convert their data and their what they're looking at into an e-commerce perspective. And what that means in really simple English is that when you shop online, say Instacart, that shopper in the store has no true visibility of what inventory is on the shelf. They can't. So that's why you sometimes get um, the, the, well, you often get the Instacart person texting you or telling you, what can I substitute with it? Because there's no visibility on the product on the shelf. They, it's, 
the two systems are not aligned. So if the two systems are not aligned, then that means that you have a higher chance of shorts or substitutions in the online experience for the group, for the consumer. And that's a really important part because that takes into the cost of profitability. So think about this. If you're online shopping for groceries and you're only getting 70% of what you ordered or you're not seeing all the new products you have or all this, then your experience is going to be limited by that. And if your gross profit dollars from the retailer side are, if you're not shipping all the products being ordered, you're losing sales. And obviously the gross profit that you would have got because that order would have gone to the customer and you're missing on the dollars that you could have made off the products they already ordered. So the inventory side of it is incredibly important. So we looked at it really very, very differently than our competitors and said, the perfect order for a customer is having the perfect product delivered to their door or delivered to the store for a pickup at a click and collect. So if we can acknowledge that that's the ultimate goal of any e-commerce experience, then we have to start with inventory. And so we spend a lot of time, energy, and money creating a system that works with the existing retailers' systems so that we don't have to create a new system. Because in our discussions with retailers, big and small, they said the last thing they want to do is implement a new ERP. Not up for discussion. Not even going to happen. Not. And we want something that addresses that we work from our the way we work. And as you know, most of these retailers work from a DC or just a central distribution center, and they service their stores from there. So they build trailer loads at the DC, and they ship the, the trailer load to the, the corresponding store. So the first thing we did is we created uh, an asset that, or a system that speaks to them and converts that into an e-commerce system. So that's really important because now they have visibility. So they can make the decisions, what they put on sale, they can see it tracking what their customers are buying to the second. And all of a sudden, they have visibility. And when you have visibility in e-commerce, you have it's a different game. And, and I think that's sort of one of the things that a lot of the grocery retailers don't understand because as soon as you do get the visibility, your marketing changes, your customer experience changes, how you communicate with the customer, your tracking changes, all this information changes and gives you power. So that's the first thing that we, we wanted to create. Next, FoodX Technology looks at how it combines its software with hardware, such as robotics, at a location that's convenient for retailers to create fulfillment facilities that can efficiently manage inbound and outbound demands. Van Stolka explains that FoodX Technologies can work with any size facility based on a retailer's market and business needs. So this might mean operating a micro-fulfillment center within or adjacent to the retail store that would range from 1,000 to 10,000 square feet. Or it could be creating a dark store, such as a dedicated separate location that ranges from 10,000 to more than 75,000 square feet. And it does this all with an eye towards the retailer's bottom line, making sure that the investment doesn't exceed their budget. Groceries are a low-margin business, and they were built off a model where you, Elizabeth, would drive your car to the grocery store, you'd take your time, pick your groceries, pack your groceries, put them back in the car, and take them home. That was a mar- That is a model of grocery on grocery. And in that, the t- 
traditional sort of profit margin these retailers make off that is around 4%. Some are higher, 5%, 6%. Some are lower, 3.7%. But if you just use 4% or even 5%, it makes perfect sense. That's the margin that grocery stores work off. Now, when you think about these additional costs of e-commerce, just common sense, you said, okay, well, you're not driving to the grocery store, you're not picking the groceries, you're not packing them, and you're not driving them to your home. There's an additional cost to that. And um, so Goldman Sachs did a report on what does it actually cost grocery stores to do that service. And it's anywhere from $24 to $30. So that means there's an additional cost to your groceries of anywhere between $24 and $30. Now, they'll offset that by charging you a delivery fee, but they're really not capturing that true margin, so they're actually losing money on most orders that they sell. Now, they're going to say that we're going to lose money on, on these orders because we're not investing in new, new facilities, but as the industry or as the consumer adoption increases, you cannot continue to lose money on every order. It's just not... It's not feasible. So there's two ways to think about moving, growing your business. Get selling more from the store you have or building a new store to sell to a new, uh, in a new location, right? So when, when we talk to retailers, we, we sort of, we, we understand that basic philosophy of business. And then we say, okay, so if you're building a new store, you know what the costs for a store build are. So if, if you understand and we understand what it costs for a retailer to build a store, so then that's the CapEx that we use. We don't go above that number. And so what we do is we ask a boatload of questions. We take the approach that no markets are the same, that it doesn't matter if you're selling in Canada or the United States or in Europe or in Asia, there are different markets and not one glove fits all. You have to accommodate what works for that retailer you have to acknowledge, they ha do they have any legacy asset assets that they want us to use? Meaning, do they have any stores that are not performing? Do they have any back of the stores that they want us to use? And we could take all that information and then we create a system that's based off visible inventory. As FoodX technology works with retailers to sketch out their basic needs, it also helps them navigate two emerging challenges facing grocery e-commerce. One, a demand for local food. And two, consumers' growing sustainability concerns, including food waste. Consumers, the end user, the most important person in the equation, they love local because they want to support local and the local food economy, the local transparency. And local is unique because local doesn't necessarily sit into a D.C. model. So these small farmers can't necessarily work within the D.C., the distribution center that these large retailers have have created. So what we've done at Food Tech, Food, FoodX Technologies is we've created a software system that allows our retailers to um, basically have pure visibility on their inventory, which is, in my opinion, and I hope in anyone who understands e-commerce, critical to the success of a user experience, because that's really the inventory is wrong, the user experience is wrong. And then the second thing is we have to understand that food is really very different than most other items because it's um, perishable. So replen, so if you're selling perishable items, just think about this, French bread, 
a baguette, a beautiful baguette. That's cooked in the morning at 3 a.m., and it should be sold during the day. So that replenishment in food is completely different than replenishment of anything else because most other items do not have the short shelf life that food does. So that's what we've sort of done, and we we partner with Microsoft to use Microsoft is our, our partner in this, and we're using Microsoft within our framework. Failure to efficiently sell product in a timely fashion doesn't just delay profits, but it can also lead to food waste, which is an increasingly important concern for consumers. That's why FoodX technology focuses on eliminating waste and reducing costs while also creating a smaller ecological footprint. One way it has reduced waste to 0.5% compared to most other retailers, which are around 6%, is by using commissary kitchens to make meal kits and other high-margin products. Also with regards to the environment, FoodX Technologies has a nixed plastic bags in favor of reusable totes and plastic bins. When it picks these products back up from shoppers, it also picks up empty milk bottles and other local products to help contribute to the emerging circular economy. In addition, it optimizes delivery routes to reduce the number of vans on the road and uses non-emitting vehicles like bikes when possible. Finally, FoodX Technologies is reducing its footprint and costs to retailers by combining multiple banners under one roof when possible. This not only lowers its carbon footprint, but it also improves unit economics because the system allows the same vehicle to deliver for multiple grocery banners. After testing and fine-tuning its approach with Walmart in Canada, FoodX Technologies is ready to expand its reach and offer a helping hand to retailers throughout North America, Europe, and Asia, all of which have seen a spike in consumer interest in e-commerce during the current pandemic, and all of which likely will see continued interest once coronavirus is under control, as consumers will by then have a better understanding of the benefits of buying groceries online and likely have a higher trust in the system. With that, we've reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you'll join me again next week for another installment. And to help you remember, I encourage you to subscribe to us on iTunes. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week. 